Christmas is a time for what? <laughs> Let's try that again. Christmas is a time for <laughs> lots of different answers, <laughs> as it should be. One answer that I hear a lot of when asked, not necessarily in church, is Christmas is a time for giving. I'm sure you guys have heard that, right? <laughs> You've heard that in every Christmas special you've ever seen, haven't you? I know I have, practically. That's the moral of every Christmas story, isn't it? Christmas is a time for giving. Scrooge, you need to wake up and realize how blessed you are and give, give, give. That's the message we hear at this time of year. Knock it off and be a holly jolly giver. That's what you'll learn from the Christmas carol and perhaps plenty of other Christmas stories this time of year. And I just need to be good and do the right thing, right? Well, maybe that's not the whole story. Maybe some of our Christmas stories and fables have left out some important parts. If you were here last Christmas Eve, you might even remember me saying that attitude is not even necessarily Christian. It's a moralistic therapeutic deism which don't worry, I'm not going to quiz you on what that means later. You can get the tape later and hear that. But if that's all that there is to the story, that it's all about me and my giving, well, I just made the Christmas story about me, didn't I? That I have to legalistically do all the right things at Christmas time or I'm a bad person. (laughs) But as we're going to find out, that's not what the Christmas story is necessarily about. You see, saying Christmas is about giving puts the cart before the horse. That's the right application of the Christmas message, but it's the wrong interpretation of the Christmas message. It's not the first thing that ought to come to mind. Uh, Because when we put the wrong emphasis on that, we make Christmas about us. That I'm the reason for the season. I am here to have to give. That I must give something. Or that you must give. Or you're a bad person. You're the Scrooge at Christmas time. We even have that word for it. Saying that you're a Scrooge. If you're skimpy around the Christmas tree at Christmas time. And I call that the gospel according to Charles Dickens which Paul might say is not another gospel at all. That's not actually good news. And I'm not here to just make fun of some of our popular stories, although it's the guy in the sleigh too. You know, he's a classical legalist when you think about it, only giving gifts to the good girls and boys this time of year. And look, I get it. We, we benefit from having stories and fables in our modern American culture to teach our children the difference between right and wrong. That's biblical. That's, have you read the book of Proverbs? That's what that book is, to teach us that there's a difference between right and wrong, and we should be doing the right things. But if the main emphasis of Christmas is about me doing good and being a moral person, well, That's a problem because Christmas is intrinsically linked to the gospel, to the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And if we make it about me, that's a problem. However, in one sense, Christmas is very much about giving. But we are not the givers. The Bible teaches that we are not in a place of 
spiritual wealth and privilege to be able to give, spiritually speaking. You and I are actually the poor and needy. We owed a debt to God that we could not pay. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. So if we are sinners, and we all are, and we've all done wrong, we've all lied, we've all cheated, we've all stolen, we've all uh, been dishonest, we've all had hatred in our hearts. The Bible says that that sin that I've committed is punishable by death, which is a problem because how do you pay that wage? You only have one life. And that, my friends, is what Christmas truly is all about. The reason for the shepherds, the wise men, the nativity scenes, and especially the manger this time of year is because that is God's answer to the problem of sin. This morning we gather to celebrate the coming of the only one who could take away our sins and give us eternal life. Where on the cross, later, I'm sure you know Jesus grew up. He didn't just stay a baby. (laughs) And when he grew up, going to the cross, he took upon himself the sins of all mankind. Yours, mine, your neighbors, your prodigal children and grandchildren. And the people who go to church every Sunday. And the people who come only once or twice a year. He took all of it upon himself, purchasing salvation for everyone on the cross. That is great news. And that's why we gather here to celebrate Sunday after Sunday, to celebrate what God has done for us. You know, a number of years ago, I had um, an acquaintance of mine attend uh, a worship service with me. And he said the most fascinating thing afterwards. He, he's not of the same um, theological religious persuasion we're of. He's from a kind of a different branch of Christianity, for lack of a better word. And he said, John, I'm amazed by this church. You know, you guys, you know, where I come from, every church service feels like a funeral. Yours is a celebration. I, I've never seen anything like this before. And I was thinking to myself, right on. That, that's how it's supposed to be. We're not here to mourn my own sin. We're not here to mourn and feel sorrowful over every wrong thing we've done. We've come here to celebrate the fact that Jesus has freed us from our sins, freed us from our guilt, from our shame, and its power over our life. That we need not walk in darkness and shame anymore. Jesus has saved us from that very shame. And that's why we celebrate. That's the good news. But the question remains, how does this good news apply to us? You know, Jesus has purchased it. But how do I make sure that purchase applies to me? And that's where our second reading comes into play this morning. As John 1.12 says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is the essence of what Christmas is about. Not that we need to give, but that we should receive. 
that we should receive Jesus into our hearts this morning. That we should receive him as our Lord and Savior, the only remedy of our sins. (laughs) So yes, in a very real way, I'm here to say this morning from the pulpit, Christmas is about receiving. How strange is that? (laughs) It's everything our children thought Christmas was about. (laughs) It's true, but in a very different way and a very specific gift. So let me put it in a different way. Today's Christmas Day. Look, everything is closed in town. <laughs> and But let's just say I went to, I, I guess, the Chinese place, because I guess nowhere else is open today. But if I were to go there, and I were to say, I want to pay for everyone in town to have a meal. Let's just say I approached them like that. I paid for it. I put it on my credit card. My kids don't can't go to college anymore because I spent too much money. <laughs> but the next thing I know, I'm standing out on Broadway with more meals than I know what to do with. And I'm just passing them out to everyone. And I hand them to somebody. He's like, oh, I can have this? Yes. Well, what do I need to do? Well, you just need to receive it. Well, what if I don't want to receive it? Okay, I'll, I'll take it back. You don't, I can't make you receive it, um, but I am offering it to you freely. Well, well, somebody had to pay for it. Well, I paid for it. The purchase was already paid for by one person. And now it's free to be given away to anyone who would receive it. And plenty of people are going to walk by and not receive it. But it's open for everyone. It's been paid for. It's got your name on it. But the choice is yours. It's still their job to receive. Because it's not about being near it. Or being around it. Or even walking into a restaurant. Torturing this analogy for another second. You can walk into a restaurant once or twice a year and still not eat anything. You can walk in there every day and not have something. You can still walk into the door. Being close to it is different than receiving it. And that is my encouragement to each of us today. Have we received the gift of salvation that Jesus has offered us? Or are we just around it a lot? That's the gift of Christmas. The gift of God's own son who came to be a ransom for many on the cross. Which is something that needs to be personally received. But it's up to you to make that decision. I can't make that decision for you. Nor can your family members make that decision for you. You know, you have to make that choice for yourself. You know, coming to, I'm sure you've made the connection, coming to church, whether it be once or twice a year or every week of the year, doesn't make you a Christian. Doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a fast food joint every day makes you a hamburger. The only power that that has, going, <laughs> going to a fast food every day only has one power. To make your cardiologist cry. (laughs) Rather, Christmas is about receiving. It's about God's grace. Now, now what does that word even mean? I mean, we throw that word around a lot in in church. We we don't hear that word around a lot. We hear words like justice, mercy, grace. What do they all mean? 
Well, you see, justice, let's start there for a second. Justice is about giving someone what they deserve. And you see that word thrown around all over the place in the news today. Like, we want justice. Give us justice. We demand what is right. And they say it ignorantly. We do not want justice. If God were to give us justice, we'd all be dead. And that would be fair. Because that verse we quoted before, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, what we have earned through our sin is death. If we get justice, we're all gone. Not in a good way. So yes, it would be fair, it would be just, but that's not what we need. What we need is mercy, which is to withhold something that ought to be given in a kind manner. We want mercy to withhold what we deserve. But that's still not enough. And it creates a question, how could God be just and merciful at the same time? How can God give us what we deserve and yet withhold what we deserve at the same time? It's a good question, and I'll answer that in one second. The key is the third point. What we need on top of mercy is grace. If mercy is withholding what we deserve, grace is giving something that we do not deserve. That's what my kids received under the tree this morning. Gifts. They didn't earn them. They were given to them as a gift. And that, that's what it is. It's not a wage earned. It's something freely given. And amazingly, there's only one place in the whole world where these three concepts meet. Justice, giving what someone deserves. Mercy, withholding what someone deserves. And grace, giving a gift. And that is the cross of Jesus Christ where God's justice was handed down, not on the sinner, but on the sin bearer, on Jesus Christ. Where he took the punishment that I deserved to take upon himself. Paid for by the Savior instead of the sinner. And which allowed him to show us mercy by give, extending forgiveness to us in, and the gift of righteousness being a gift of grace towards us. So that now when God sees you, he doesn't see you for the sinner that we know we really are. But he sees the blood of Christ that has covered you. That's what God sees when he sees you. He doesn't see our own misdeeds. He sees God's righteousness over us. That's the greatest news and the greatest gift I could possibly receive. Period. Because I couldn't earn that, so Jesus gave it as a gift. And he could do that because he paid my debt and took the justice that I ought to have received. So with that in mind, you know, let's, let's make this practical. You know, my kids this morning, they received a whole lot of stuff that they could not possibly earn in their own lifetime, in their adolescence. In their adolescence. And I choose my words carefully there, not because I'm so wealthy, but because they don't have an earned income. They're seven. Nobody's going to be handing them a W-2 next month. And there's only so much you can save up by finding nickels and dimes in the local park. 
But all they needed to do this morning was to gratefully receive the gifts that were given to them today. <laughs> oh, and they received them with joy, I assure you. Oh, precious memories. I got, I got some videos to show you guys later. But that's what Christmas is about. Receiving with gratitude the singular gift that Christmas is about. The gift of the Savior, the gift of the Christ child. And this is the truly the gift that we needed. The gift that remedies our, all of our greatest problems in this world. <laughs> you might know the familiar Christmas carol, The Little Drummer Boy. It's got this great line in it. It says that, I have no gift to bring that's fit to give our king. That's one of the most theologically accurate lines in any Christmas carol. It's cert <laughs> certainly even within that own song. I highly doubt the ox and the lamb kept time. It's true, though. The psalmist said in Psalm 14, there is no one righteous, no, not one. We are not triumphant givers in a land that needs more giving. That's not the message of Christmas. The true message is that we are the beggars at the foot of God's door, seeking righteousness because our supply is empty. But he has met our need in his abundant mercy to all who would come before his door this morning and forevermore. So don't get me wrong, I'm not up here wagging my finger at you people that needing to needing to do more things or give more or whatever. I'm, I'm pointing the finger at myself first today. Because this morning, I'm just another beggar telling my fellow beggars where I found bread and where I know there's enough for you too. So with that in mind, don't confuse me for a Scrooge either. Because <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not just that we don't do it because we don't just don't give because it will make us righteous or more godly or trying to earn something. I'm just saying that's not the point. No, it doesn't work like that. Rather, whenever and whatever giving we do this time of year, whether if it's giving directly to the poor, giving to churches and their missions and other organizations doing great things this time of year, whether it be to our own kids with some stuff under the tree, whatever we do, it ought to be a response to what God has already done for us. It's the response to the message, not the message itself. That's the point. Because as we survey the manger, and as we survey the wondrous cross that that manger points to, we see a God that has given so lavishly more than I could ever repay. So the lesson better not be give because someone gave you. <laughs> but it's one of being inspired by his response to his generosity, his grace, his mercy out of a response to all of that. Here, kid, here's something for you too today. That's the heart. Because God has been immeasurably gracious to me. And since I want to be like my heavenly father, 
here's something for you too. That's the heart that it's coming from. In whatever giving that we do, both of our finances or giving gifts or giving of our time, it's the healthy Christian response to all that we do. You know, those of you who are serving in the food pantry, you guys aren't doing that to earn anything because God has been so good to you. And because you want to model the gracious gift that you have already received. And same thing with the Sunday school team. (laughs) Uh, They're not doing what they're doing now for a reward, but they do what they do because of how wonderful a reward you have already received. And a desire to pass on that same gift to the next generation. What a wonderful calling. So as unintuitive, strange, backwards, and countercultural. It might sound coming from me this morning. Christmas is not about giving. It's about the giver. It's not about my giving. It's about his. And yes, Christmas is indeed about receiving. Receiving the free gift of salvation that God is generously offering you this morning. Have you received your gift this year? I certainly hope you have. Thanks be to God.